understand my mind and understand what was going on, I could see that in that moment, I wasn't in any danger. This podcast may challenge your beliefs about well-being. Hi, we are Rani and Suraj, a husband and wife team, psychiatrists, authors and well-being coaches. We guide heart-centered entrepreneurs and professionals to their true well-being. We bring our mental health and coaching experience and understanding of Eastern spirituality into our conversations every week. So if you're excited to embrace clarity, fun and ease in your life, relationships and business, stay tuned. Welcome to the Listening Into Wellbeing podcast. Hi, Debra. Good to see you. Hi, it's great to see you too. <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest in a podcast. And I've been looking forward to this so much. Me too, me too. <laughs> I'm honoured that you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Deborah, why don't we start with your introduction and um, I ask for your bio. So I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it out and then we'll get started from there. How does it sound? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. So for over 20 years, Deborah was in a very unhealthy relationship. She was a working mom struggling to parent her three children and run a home-based sewing business. When the relationship ended, Deborah began a journey of self-discovery. And in 2011, she came across a spiritual understanding of life and everything changed almost overnight. Things that had always been a struggle started to make sense. Deborah wanted to share what she had found with other people who were struggling like she had, so she volunteered for Women's Aid, now NDADA. What does it stand for? Um, North Devon Against Domestic um, Abuse. Okay, for four years. She then decided to set up her own business and Dare to Be You was born. Dare to Be You is all about helping lost people find themselves so that they can have whatever it is that life's not giving them right now. And I'm always fascinated by your, your company and what it stands for, Dare to Be You. So in your work, have you found that people need permission to be themselves? Is it not something that uh, happens naturally? What, what are your thoughts about that? Um, well, I can see the reason I got into such an unhealthy place in my life was because um, I didn't think I was good enough. Me just showing up as who I was I didn't think that that was enough. And so over time, I would try to be what I thought other people wanted me to be <laughs> instead of just um, being myself. I became a people pleaser, um, you know, just kind of doing what other people wanted me to, to the extent that I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I had lost myself so much that if you'd have said to me, you know, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? I would have had to have asked someone else because I just, I, I wasn't allowing myself to know those things about myself. I wasn't allowing myself to be me at all. It just, over, over time, it, it just got worse and worse. Um, and yeah, I, I find that there are quite a few people that we are, we, we're so, 
caught up in what other people think of us and it's so important to us that other people like us and what other people think that it's surprising how much of our behavior is really affected by that we're really caught up in that thinking you know what is that person going to think if I do this what is that person going to think and so we do things so that other people approve of us like us give us their approval Mm. wow Deborah I'd be really um wanting you to share your story of DV. But before we go there, I just wanted to um, touch base on the fact that um, domestic violence is happening all around us. And, you know, um, in homes that we don't know about, and there might be various degrees. And some, sometimes it might be just a little bit and sometimes to the extreme. And people who come to the attention might be the ones where there's extreme violence. And in my line of work, I know that a lot of people have trauma and it might have been trauma in the childhood, but also when they're growing up, they face um, adversities and uh, and it seems like they attract the wrong people and they might be in that relationship even though it's not good for them. So having said that, I, I think the reason why I wanted to interview you is I know that the conversation we have today might give hope to someone who really needs to hear something. So with that in mind, can you just share your story about uh, about a DV as, as best as you can. I know it's, it might be a very long one, but I know <laughs> you have shared it, haven't you, before? And it would be yeah. really nice to have an understanding because people might say, well, maybe Deborah didn't have much. You know, maybe she just had a little bit of domestic violence. Who is she to say that, you know, um, you need to talk about dare to be you, for example? So would you please share your story? Okay, yeah. Um obviously uh, briefly because it's it spanned a long time um what what i can see with retrospect and and looking now at what happened to me what i can see is that um from a very young age when i was very very small i was like my grandma i'm still like my grandma my dad's mom um and when i was small everybody would say you're like your grandma they still do to be honest um and yet this is true i am and my mom is very 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 different my grandma was very outgoing very um jolly very loud very <laughs> the center of attention like like to like to do things like that and my mom is very quiet and very shy and doesn't like to put herself forward and so when I came along um, I was the third child and I think um, my mom just didn't quite know what to do with me because I was very very different to her and when I was little I would hear her she would say that I was like my grandma and then I would hear her saying to people that she didn't like my grandma now, I had a good childhood and I know my mum loved me, but I managed in my head as a small child to put that together and hear that there was something wrong with me and I, I wasn't lovable. And I made that up. There, there wasn't evidence of that outwardly, but I made that up. I, I heard that in my head and decided that must be true. And so from a very, very young age, I, I tried not to be who I was. I tried to be quiet. I tried to be somebody that I wasn't. And then by the time it came for me to get into a relationship when I was growing up, I was desperate for somebody to love me. I was absolutely desperate 
for someone to love me. And I met a, a, a very good looking man um, and he paid a lot of attention to me and he opened the car doors for me and he, he, he did all sorts of things. And then one day I was joking with some friends and I made a joke about him while he was there in in front of me just one of those jokes that you do when you're in a relationship I can't even remember just sort of teasing him about something and um, we got into the car and he put his foot down and drove the car really 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 fast and threatened to kill me threatened to crash the car into a lamppost or something like that and and I was literally I was terrified I was absolutely terrified and that was the first the first thing that ever happened that kind of went in that direction but he apologized he said he was sorry he was very good looking he was very attentive all my friends thought he was amazing and he kept telling me how much he loved me so I just stayed I, I carried on and then over time those little incidents just got worse really but he, he and he would just Every time anything would happen, he would promise me that it would never happen again. He would promise me that he loved me. Um, And then we had a baby because we decided that having a baby would be a good idea and that, you know, he would he would be different after there was a a baby. And and so Um, and then he he just carried on being that like he was very um, unpredictable incredibly unpredictable you wouldn't know who was going to come home from work at night whether it was somebody who was going to come through the door and um just be jolly and happy or 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 what what would be or whether he would just walk in through the door and start accusing me of all sorts of things um so my life just became this trying to protect protect the children from what was going on and trying to live at live um, in such a way that I didn't make him angry. Like most of my mornings, it would just be, it, it would all be about making sure the house was tidy, making sure the food was right, making sure everything in the cupboards was the right way around, making sure that the children were dressed rightly, right, making sure they didn't make too much noise, making sure it, it was just all this whole check, 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 check on yourself, check on. Um, uh, and yeah, so it, it got it got quite difficult. It was quite, I was, I lived in my head and I lived walking on eggshells and every so often there would be some kind of incident and it would, there's something called the the cycle of abuse. And I could really recognize that things would get worse and worse and worse. Then there would be an incident and then you would be in a honeymoon period where he would be really, 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 really nice. And then you think, well, I won't leave because, you know, I'm, I'm going to lose all of this. And I mean, there were many, many reasons. I know um, I've had conversations with people um, who have never been in this kind of situation and sort of said, why didn't you just leave? And it's an interesting question. But I think by the time that you have lost yourself to that extent and you are not, you're so insecure. And he said that if ever I left, he would take the children and he would tell everybody that I was mad and that I would never see the children again. And I was frightened that he would do that. And I felt that the children were better with me there than me not there. And yeah, it, it, it wasn't easy. It was a difficult time. And then um, it was actually when my when my eldest daughter, when she got to be about uh, 15 or 16, it got very dangerous for her to be at home. It, it got things had, had got quite bad by then. Um, 
And to my shame, I, I sent her to live with my sister. Rather than leave, I sent her to live with my sister. And I cannot tell you how much I love my children and how much I love my daughter. Um, and But that was the decision I made at that time. And then when um, my middle daughter, when she got to that sort of age, we were going down the same road, but she was quite a different personality. And she was very, she didn't like to be told what to do quite so much. So things were getting a little bit, it was getting more and more difficult to to keep to keep things going to to keep the normality going and um so when she was she was 17 um and she there was an incident one day where we'd we'd actually gone out me and my, my husband and my um my youngest child my son we'd actually gone out and um she wasn't allowed she had rules of what she could do and couldn't do while we weren't there and she ate something that she wasn't allowed to eat while we were out it it sounds funny to me now it wasn't at the time um and when 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 we came home we had we all had to stand in a row and he was asking us you know what had happened and, and where had this tin of food gone and who'd eaten it and he knew who'd eaten it um and just a, a huge incident. He just he he tried to attack um, my daughter and well, our daughter. And um, it was the next day that um, somebody from Women's Aid actually other things had been in, in place, and we'd been um, my daughter had had some help um, because she was struggling so much. And somebody turned up on the doorstep and um, said that I had to go to the refuge. <laughs> And I don't think I, I yeah, I, I'm not sure. I don't know what I would have done if that didn't happen. But anyway, that, that's what happened. We did. We went into um, a women's refuge. And, yeah, that was that was the start of something very different happened. I'm beginning to realise what. What what had happened? What I, what I had been through and what had gone on and and my part in that, my insecurity, what my thinking, what what I had had, how this had all happened. A, a long journey, and that what that didn't happen very straight away. I had a lot of a lot of help and support initially, um, and um, some me and the children had counselling, and um, we had various diagnoses of um ptsd and things like that because of the the trauma that we had been through um but a journey that um has an amazingly happy ending really because thankfully I, i don't know how i was so lucky but um i was looking on the internet for ways to parent my i believed my damaged children because they, um, my middle daughter had attempted suicide. My eldest daughter was self-harming. My son was, um, he would, he was very violent, and that they were watching him at, at school because he, he, because of his behaviour, they he had very violent and um, you know disruptive and violent behaviour at school. Um, so all three of my children were really struggling and suffering, not surprisingly, um, but thankfully. I I came to the understanding that I know both of us share and, and what we talk about and something I saw something really really deeply in somebody it was actually Jamie Smart was actually a, a podcast a, a, a chat not similar not dissimilar to this and he was talking about 
this thing that he had discovered and, and what he had seen. And just in, in what he was talking about, I saw, I just heard that there was hope and my children weren't damaged and I wasn't damaged either. And I hadn't realized how much I had carried that with me that I had damaged my children. And I can't, I, I couldn't forgive myself and I couldn't, I absolutely hated myself. Um, and in that instance, when I heard that I hadn't damaged them, they weren't damaged. That's not how this happened. And nor was I, and there was hope for us to have a perfectly normal future. Something, something shifted and changed in me. I, I heard that. I, I knew the truth of it in that instance. I knew that that was true. Um, and for a little while, my children, when I spoke to them and some of my family and people that I spoke to just thought I'd gone a bit crazy. They just thought I'd gone a bit mad. <laughs> and then, <laughs> but, but something had, had changed in me. Something had complete, there was something awake in me now that was completely different to the person that I had been. And so I made it my mission to learn more about this and to learn how to speak to people and how to help people because because I could see that there was no need for me to have gone through everything that I had gone through. And I can see why my now ex-husband did what he did. I, I've totally forgiven him. I feel nothing but love and compassion for him because he is a, a really, he's a nice man who is completely caught up in his thinking and doesn't know how to do anything different than what he is doing. And he's destroying himself and I'm you know I'm sad about that mm. because I can see he didn't mean he it, it, he didn't want to do what happened wasn't his intention I, I honestly I know yeah this is what you're saying he kept reacting to you know his internal state yes 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 and he didn't know how not to. And I didn't. You know, I, I, the, the two of us together created this terrible thing because neither one of us knew how to get out of that loop of thinking that we had caught ourselves in. So, so Deborah, um, I mean, maybe this is a great um, time to ask you more questions. So first of all, I want to acknowledge you sharing um, you know, it's it's a story I have heard, um, but a different version of stories I have heard from people. And um, so it's when you hear this and, and you hear the ins and outs of it, and you know it's, it's, it's completely shocking sometimes the extent that, you know, the domestic violence and you know, to what extent a perpetrator can go to. But it's so lovely to know that um, your story ended very well because, um, you know, obviously you were in a very bad place and then things shifted and now you are making a difference in the world, especially uh, in, in the lives of uh, women who have gone through this domestic violence themselves. So you talked about forgiveness. And I think that's a biggie and something most people might struggle with. And you also talked about seeing that actually maybe he didn't mean to, or maybe he was just caught up in his world. And people might say, but are you, it's the denial, but surely they did all this. They need to be punished. I'm never going to forgive 
this person for the rest of my life because obviously this is a lot of heart and you know lots lots of wasted time lots of wasted opportunity and like you thought that your children and you were damaged um surely people might be still they might have um they might have moved away from this relationship but they might still have those going on so uh, is there hope for people what would you say to people who are still you know not feeling right and they feel that they might not be able to forgive someone for the rest of their life first of all i think it is um to acknowledge people where they are you know this isn't i i'm not telling anyone to forgive someone until that makes sense to them you know it's you have to you have to be where you are in in this moment and if you have been something been through something um you know i, I could tell you loads and loads of stories and loads and loads of incidences but wherever you are you know if anyone is on that journey or anyone is there just just be very gentle and kind with yourself and um where you are but what i have seen is when we look in this direction and that this i love having this conversation with people who um you know if they are struggling i love it if they if i manage to to get into a space where we can have this conversation because when you begin to 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 look in this direction and see the huge hope that there is for people to 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 get over human beings we are so resilient we are so amazing what we can compass and what we can get over um but sometimes it does take time and sometimes it does take time to be gentle with ourselves but what i see is that when i don't forgive someone for something that they have done for me to me it hurts me not them i am the one who suffers when i don't forgive and and it's okay not to forgive if you're not ready to forgive this isn't about so you have to do that that is perfectly okay and i totally understand and you know sometimes you just need to get angry and cry and, and get past all of that and, until you're you're ready to to see something different but um when we forgive someone else that takes a burden off us we see that we were the one we we hold on to stuff and interestingly for all the things that my husband did for all the behavior for all the things i can see also in my mind every time there was an incident i relived that incident again and again and again and again and again and again and i was doing that to me sometimes things would happen once and i would replay them a million times and suffer again and again and again and i see that not not doing that you know not doing that anymore has been hugely helpful to mm. me so can i ask you so so people might be uh, listening to this and say um yeah i do that i keep reliving the experience but i don't know how to stop it is there you know can you teach me a strategy or something where i can just stop doing that um what would you say to that debra so what i notice is that we have thinking as human beings we have thoughts and the actions that we take reflect the thinking that we have in the moment that looks real and true to us and so when it when i was replaying those things in my mind in some way that looked like a good idea to me 
And what I see is I can't make myself, I can't just decide to stop and make myself stop. But what happened for me and what I have seen happen again and again for people is as we begin to understand our thought system, as we begin to see, yeah, I live in the feeling of what I'm thinking. I feel my thinking moment to moment. And as my thinking changes, my experience changes. And somehow just seeing that and understanding that and knowing that and looking in in this direction and seeing what that means for us, what happens when we get into this conversation is that our thinking all on its own becomes more healthy. Now, sometimes that can be, oh, I just want to do something. Is there not a switch that I can switch off? You know, I don't, I don't want it to be that. I want it to be that you give me a technique and it happens. But you know, fortunately, unfortunately, I don't know that that isn't how we work as human beings. And much as yes, I, I would love to give you a switch. I would love to just say, if you do this, it will be gone. But in my experience, understanding how I work and understanding how my mind works has been so beneficial to me. It has changed so many things. And I, I have seen other people change in the same way that I have. So that's how we're wired. That's how this does work. That is how it is how it is. And it is when we begin to understand ourselves in that way. Our mind is our mind is self-cleaning and self-clearing when we are using it correctly. When we when we understand how to it's it's you know when we understand how to use our own mind. We can use it to way way more to our advantage than against ourselves as we start to understand that it's it's just something that it's a natural byproduct and something that begins to happen as we do that so Mm. so interesting isn't it we haven't learned i mean we never learn how the mind works and uh, we are so used to problem solving we all use a brain you know use a prefrontal cortex and the decision making and we think every time we consider something as a problem we need to find a solution and finding the solution is up to us so we are constantly um, looking at ideas and ways to do things differently and the other thing we do is something does happen and like you said, so that happens and that that passes, but then we are reliving that again and again. Like, why me? What could I have done differently? What not? Why not that? Why not this? And it becomes uh, the, there's more chatter in the in the, in the, in the mind. There's no more noise in the mind. And from if we are looking for calm, if we're looking for uh, peace of mind we get the opposite, don't we? Uh, And then if someone is already in a difficult relationship or they are still feeling traumatized, perhaps those memories come back and then they have lots of thinking about that memory. Talking about memory, Deborah, that's something very important I wanted to ask you, something I hear again and again from people, which is flashbacks. So people talk about having flashbacks of what happened. Did you experience that? And what would you say to people who experienced that and are very frightened of their experiences? I did experience that. I experienced it quite a lot in the in the early days. Yeah, um, I had a lot of a lot of fear, and I was frightened of a lot of things. I used to have 
panic attacks. Um, my panic attacks and those kinds of things started way, way before I'd left the relationship. Um, there was one day I was driving my car on the motorway and I just started having a panic attack and I just jumped out of my car and left it in the middle lane of the, of the motorway. Really? <laughs> wow. I didn't hear the story. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I did used to have like terrors, just just terrifying things come into my mind. But what what I started to see as I began to understand my mind and understand what was going on, I could see that in that moment, I wasn't in any danger. That was just thinking in my mind that was just going round and round in my head and somehow for me really understanding that really seeing that but yeah that that is going through me and sometimes I would go you know my shoulder I would tense my shoulders I would have you know the feeling right through my body and everything it would be really really awful but somehow what I see is it's almost like there's a, a glimmer of light also in my mind. My mind was trying to also bring me back to a place of safety. And what would happen is that a thought would begin to occur to me that even while this was going on, I was okay. And that was, that was a thought that occurred to me. That was something that just popped into my mind, even in the midst of this, I am okay. And I got curious about that and started to, to, to just ask, like, am I? Am I okay? And that was something that I did for many, many years. I know it's something I've shared with a lot of people. I would just get quiet and ask myself the question, am I okay even here? When all sorts of things would be going on, but it was that to me is how we end up with having techniques and things like that because our own wisdom comes to our rescue in in those moments when we are you know really in those moments and what i what i saw was through learning about my mind i recognized that that's what was going on and I think my mind had always been trying to do things like that, but I didn't notice it. I didn't see it. I would brush past it and get into the fear and, and believe the terrible thinking that I was having. But as I began to understand my mind, when that occurred to me, am I all right, right even here? I actually asked myself, I actually got quiet and asked myself the question, are you all right? And just kind of an, in, an internal question. And a yes came back. Yeah, you're okay. And it's not that I felt fine. It wasn't any of those, but somewhere inside it was like, yes, you're okay. You, you can do this. And that would calm things down for me. Yeah. And I just, as I said, I, I would just, that was something that I, that really, really helped me for a long time. And what what I point people to with that story is not that to necessarily do that, but 
that human beings have the capacity <clears throat> to do things like that for themselves in ways that make sense for themselves. Mm. I've heard all sorts of people come, you know, tell me things since like when I share those stories, you know, then people will come and see me, you know, if, if I'm working with them and they might say another time, hey, I, they would tell me something that had occurred to them or something. And perhaps even what they're sharing to me, I think, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. That doesn't even make any sense but it would really help that person. Mm -hmm. And I think that is where if you, if you can't do anything, borrowing someone else's technique or trying something is, is maybe a good starting point. But, but what I really want people to hear is that we have a built-in capacity when we are, if we haven't ever noticed, sometimes we just notice it anyway. Some people just notice those things with no understanding of anything but for me, as I was pointed in that direction, I saw that for myself. Mm. And so what I like to share with people is it, it's not particularly what I did, but it was the fact that there was something there for me that I could do, if that makes sense. Mm. Lovely. I, what struck me was you saying you asked a question and you got quiet. Because sometimes we ask a question like, why is this happening to me? Like, am I safe? And then so immediately will, the mind will say, no, you're not safe. Go run, yeah. do something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when there's noise, then obviously that's not the, uh, the case. But what I heard you say, it doesn't matter what question you ask, but you obviously question about, am I safe? And you really wanted to hear that. You really wanted to hear that you you started listening and you got quiet because if you're not listening, we ask a question and we don't listen and we say, no, I, I know I'm not right. So we are not even, even listening to the wisdom that might come through and say and, and comfort us that in this moment right now, you're OK. Yes, that happened. We are not saying that didn't happen. It's not in denial or anything like that. In this moment, you're OK. So coming back to the now, isn't it? That's amazing. Um, Deborah, I know of people like counselors and therapists and healthcare professionals like myself, you know, there are a lot of people who work with people, clients who might be going through domestic violence, but they might not be ready to share. So you talked about the cycle of abuse, but I wonder whether there's anything that any advice or and any suggestions for therapists and counselors? Because this is a sensitive issue because people are fearful of saying, yes, you know, I am being hard. I am you know, doing this because they are worried about the, the consequences. So how would you say that a therapist or a professional, sh you know, it, it should address this? Is there any particular way? I, I, you know, I, I'm just asking and just curious about what comes to you in this moment. What I can see for myself was much as people did try to, to help me and some of my family members. I mean, I don't think anyone realized the extent of some of the things that were going on in our family. But until I was ready to accept, accept help, I think it would have been very, very difficult for anyone to do much, if I'm honest. Um, it was really, really good that when I was ready to turn to somebody that um, I had, a, I had a good friend that I, I turned to. And um, so, yeah, that, that was really helpful. Um, 
it, it's something that I, I know sometimes when I, I've had conversations with people and I can even get frustrated because I know what's on the other side. If you do, if you do dare to leave or if you do dare to speak out, or if you do dare, I know that if we start to understand our own mind, I now know what is on the other side. But I can also go back to that frightened person who didn't know that and who stayed where she was for a very, very long time. Um, and I can see see how hard it is to to reach out for help and you don't know who to reach out to and you don't you're very very confused and you don't know what to say or how to say it so yeah on, on both sides I can see that that is it, it's a difficult issue and it's not an easy one to address um but I one of the things that I think is like the, the work that we do I know that, that what you share and this understanding that I share for me I share this with as many people as I can in the hope that you don't know who hears it and, and when they hear it and how they hear it. And that to me is, I feel like the intelligence behind life, whatever it is, if, if I do that, if, if somebody needs to hear something, somehow or other it will reach their ears. That's my hope. <laughs> yeah, no, that's beautiful. I'm just um, thinking out loud here, Deborah. Say, therapists and counselors um they you know obviously they are trained to do what they do and also they know what you just shared which is like despite everything i'm not broken despite everything my children and i were not damaged if they really saw this and it could be anyone you know it could be in someone um say the in the police force or in a firefighter or in any department because people when people need help they could be going to anyone it's not just therapist they could be just talking to the neighbor for example so the more the person who's listening to them know this and they come from the space i guess something could shift for the person uh, who is going through the trauma. Would, it, would you agree? I, I would wholeheartedly agree. I would love every healthcare professional and every professional in, I would just love every person on, on the planet to, to hear you know what it is we share and to, to to see that hope for all human beings because i think on both sides of it whether someone is called the perpetrator or whether they're called the victim this the same things are going you know that people have got into that position through insecurity fear not understanding their own minds and very very often the people who with the best will in the world and very well meaning are also in fear and insecure and don't understand their own mind. Because mm -hmm. I can see there were a lot of people who tried to help me, who genuinely tried to help me, but also didn't understand, saw me as broken, saw my children as damaged and broken. And so they they couldn't help me in many, many ways because they they couldn't see that in me. And it was very, very difficult for me to see myself as anything but broken when people were telling me that. Oh. And, yet, and yet I think if I know when I work with people, I, to me, nobody, nobody is broken. It's just, it's, it's not how it is. And if people come to me, um, you know, the very first thing I say, and very often they'll tell me harrowing stories and it's like, yeah, you're a normal functioning human being. That's how come you are having depression and anxiety and panic attacks and you're in this place, in this relationship. Everything you have told me points me to the fact that you are a normal functioning 
human being. You're just using some of those functions against yourself instead of for yourself. Mm. So let's talk about that and let's see how we can use that to to your advantage. Use it for you instead of against you. Yes, I think this is such a powerful message and I completely get you. I know that very well-meaning professionals can sometimes say, oh, no wonder what happened to them and they, they are quite destroyed, they're you know, damaged. And I think, wow, if you believe this, you won't see the health in other person. You won't be able to, you, you will try to help them, but it will be more like a, from a place of fixing rather than there is something, you know, this person has innate resilience, but they are stuck, they are lost and maybe they are lost for a long time. And, and despite that, they, they are not damaged, they are whole. And if someone really saw this, not, you know, not with their thinking mind, but really got it from a deeper place, then the conversation they will have is going to be very different. I, I, I love what you said. Thank you. And that's the main message I give to people. So Deborah, we are almost coming to an end of our conversation here. Do you, we, we talked about so many things. We talked about, mostly we talked about domestic violence because that's been your lived experience. But I guess this can also be transferable to you know, someone who is, um, struggling a little bit with their colleagues at at work, and there is some kind of not not domestic violence, obviously, because it's, oh, we are talking about office, but they're still having some arguments, some you know disagreements and heated conversations, uh, and it could still this understanding could still apply in that case as well, as well as in so many circumstances. Understanding your own mind is effective across the board I think I don't think I think if, if we all um if they taught this in schools and we all learned this it, it would just make so much difference in in so many areas of our lives in all of our relationships because I think in some ways um in many ways I can I see myself as lucky because I got into such a state that I had to do something I had to change otherwise you know I was on self-destruct um but it's my thing is when I see people and I think they're at about, I call that about a number seven, if they're about a number six or seven, I think, well, oh, I feel really, really sorry for you because you just think, well, that's how life is. You know, like, yeah, life's tough. Like, yeah, yeah, life can be difficult. Um, so I'm really grateful that I kind of got into the minuses almost because what I see now is I have a most amazing life. I love my life. I am loud and bouncy. And I know. You are like a happy, bubbly <laughs> person all the time. I really, really am. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I'm like a, a, an energy ball. And yeah, I just have the best life. Um, um, so yeah, I kind of see that people who go down far enough ask for help. Whereas I think those kind of six and sevens, they're just like, yeah, this is how life is. And you know what? It's not. There's something out there. Life is amazing. Life is just such a beautiful gift. It is just, oh, I love it. It's the best thing ever. Um, and I just think it's yeah I, I when when people get far enough to ask for help and they're in front of me I think wow you just have no idea what's in store for you, when you <laughs> a good, I've got a gift for you that we are going to unpack together yeah, yeah. so that's so beautiful I mean the listeners if you can see Deborah's face she's just glowing and she's talking about all this and she's all bubbly and happy <laughs> So, Deborah, what's your one takeaway point for people who are listening to this? Like, what's your core message? Um, I think it's that this is in every single one of us. 
this beautiful gift, this, this, it's in all of us. And it's in every single person in a way that's going to make sense to them. Because, you know, you might not be loud and bubbly and like Tigger like me, you might be a quiet person, but you know, you've still got this magic, whatever it is, is, is in you too. And nobody is broken. Wow. Deborah, if people listening to this get curious and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Um, well, you can find me. I'm all over social media. I'm not quiet. Um, no, I'm she's on- not. <laughs> I'm not. Um, so um, on Facebook, I'm Deborah Simmons is my personal. And then I have Dare to Be You, which is Dare. And then it's the number two, the letter B and the letter U. And it's got a purple heart at the end. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Deborah Simmons. I'm on um, Clubhouse as dare dare to be you or something like that but I'm all over the place so yeah and and I love people reaching out to me so please do I love having I love talking to people and connecting so beautiful (laughs) and I'll also put in the show notes all your social media presence handles okay so it'll be very easy for people to find you I would say to people that please reach out it might not be for yourself but if there's someone else in your life that you know that struggling or has struggled in the past and still haven't been able to really recover or or living in the trauma of the past, have a look at the amazing work that um, Deborah is doing. She's based in Devon, but now the world is open up to everywhere, isn't it? You can find (laughs) them anywhere. So do reach out. And I think what I'm hearing from her is you don't have to suffer. You're not broken. And that's the very key message. Thank you so much for coming, Deborah. It's really wonderful to have you on our show. My pleasure. Thank you very, very much. It's been lovely speaking to you. (laughs) Take care. Until next time. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) 